Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, now painfully far away from me, is my <laughs> friend and your friend, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Your intros always uh, keep me hanging here. I never know where you're exactly going to go with it. but <laughs> Nor do I, buddy. Nor do I. <laughs> I'm exactly usually the same distance I am too, which is painfully uh, far, I suppose. But it's the the usual about two hour proximity. Yeah. How are the falls? Uh, the falls, I don't know. Probably cold, lit. Um, I, I mean, know, I'm in the I... area. You know? Does oh, it, does it still <laughs> yearn for me there as I yearn to be back there? I'm sure. My I'm kids sure want, there's a park. My kids want to move. Up? My kids want to move. To the falls? Yep. Well, it would be convenient for me, so I back that, but I would uh, <laughs> highly recommend. I, I would hardly not recommend that. I'll do respect to the falls, <laughs> personally. There's a lot of record store, though, now in Niagara Falls. Like, I remember going there uh, years and years ago with uh, a then uh, person I was in a relationship with and desperately searching for a record store and finally convincing her to let me go to a pawn shop like in the middle of nowhere and just digging through a bunch of bullshit records <laughs> and like walking away with nothing. But then now, this time I was like, if I had been able to stop uh, for records because I was with family and could not, there were multiple stores, Chris. Yeah, there's a few things going on now. I think you, you're the story you were talking about previously, there was definitely a period where there didn't seem to be any if, uh, I don't know, there probably was none at one point. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there was any. No, there might not have been. The, the sad part is there used to be really, uh, at least a really good one for sure. That uh, Anyway, we're digressing majorly already. But yeah, you missed a really good heyday way back when. It used to be an excellent one. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, well, don't, <laughs> don't move there. Well, at further risk of digression, how are you feeling this week? I'm good. I'm still getting over my little head cold thing that I'm okay. sure people can hear. But yeah, I'm good. Okay, well, that's good. you sound a lot better, um, uh, you know, except for the low, the yearning in your voice. <laughs> I have more of a baritone, so it probably works better for the recording. Yeah, absolutely. I have a I, same here, and that's and the tears are also from the microphone. <laughs> All right, let's move on on today's show. My God, I was so stoked to get to do this um, because this was one of the coolest emails I've ever gotten in my life with uh, Neil McLennan of uh, the band Blitz or, and Epic Problem, but you may know him uh, by the name of Mackie. Uh, yeah, so this was a huge one for me, Chris. Uh, big fan of this band. I think you might also kind of like him too. <laughs> yeah, very much so. 
I uh, I recall when this initial communication came in because it was actually I feel like it was actually in relation to something we were discussing on footnotes. Even I don't know if maybe it that was. was because I remember uh, at least the the thing you sent me. I don't know if he'd already reached out, but the thing you sent me initially was a discussion with regards to. Um, uh, goodness gracious! Voice of a Generation, the LP, but we were discussing like the insert. And oh yeah, people. I know he chimed in on that, but I don't know if he'd already reached out to you by that point. No, I think but, that uh, was maybe the first time. So you're right; it yeah. was footnotes related. Yeah, which is which is uh, I don't know. Self interest aside, I just think that's really cool. So um, yeah, I was very excited to hear the interview itself. Yeah, no, it was it was cool to get to do, and uh, yeah. So if he's if. If you are listening, Mackie, thank you again for doing this episode. But before we get to that, uh, if you want to reach uh, myself, uh, you can go over to DamianAbraham.com. There's an email address there to get in touch with uh, myself. Uh, and also, while you're there, you will see that there's a tab that says Tope Live, or I think it's Tour Tope Live, and it's there that you can click on that and you will see that there are tour dates now announced for the turned out of punk live tour of the Northeast of the United States, December 12th, Monday at the great Scott in Alston, Massachusetts, December the 13th, which is a Tuesday at the black cat in Washington, DC, December 14th, Wednesday, Johnny Brenda's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, December 15th, Thursday at rough trade in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I can, uh, I guess announce that I've got a bunch of guests confirmed for these. Nice. Yeah, and it's going to be cool. Uh, there's going to be some uh, some really cool guests. I think I'm going to announce the first round of them next week on the show. On, cool. On, on Turn Out of Punk. And then we can uh, react to them. And, and hopefully, Chris, fingers crossed, maybe you'll <laughs> be there too. Uh, in relation to DC, I'm going to say pressure's on with regards yes. to me. Because, uh, uh, as a pun there for those who get that. But... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'm going to try. I've had people on my back about it. Um, not that I, I perceive you as being on my back, but it's just a matter of if it'll happen or well, not. I'm on your back, Chris. I'm on your back about it. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm very flattered that people are uh, interested in my presence, but uh, I cannot confirm it yet, unfortunately. Okay, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we're working towards that. But I, will, I can confirm that there will be merch, and I will be there, and uh, there will be good times. There will be good times nice. by uh, anyone who can attend. Uh, and those are, uh, uh, those are coming up. So also, if you want to get in touch with me other ways, you can find me on various forms of social media left for Damien. Uh, you can also, if you want to support this show, go over to iTunes, write a review, rate it. And if you want to find us on Facebook, there's a Facebook page run by my brother, Tristan Abraham and your friend, Chris, right? You guys are buds now. Yes. You guys have, have you not met in person yet though? <laughs> still no correct no, still no <laughs> very uh it's a very modern uh, relationship so to speak <laughs> yeah absolutely uh and then also we have a tumblr page so you go to turnedoutapunk.tumblr.com and how do they get in touch with us here though chris uh you can contact us uh at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com all right so that's if you want to send in something for chris and i to discuss a reflection on an episode that you want us to go into a little more in detail, and uh, we get other cool stuff sent into the show. From you know, we got a we got a bunch of regular columnists now. Yes, and it's actually for me. It um, 
it's very good for the show because it, what it does is it, it just kind of keeps the community active, and I think that's what makes this work, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. thank you, folks, for uh, contributing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I guess uh, should we dive into the mailbag first, Chris? Because we don't have anything off the top to get to. Yes, uh, sure. Yeah, I'll I'll take the first one here. Sure. Um, the uh, gentleman by the name of Jesse wrote in last week in regards to Simply Saucer. He's uh, the author of a new Simply Saucer book, as mentioned last week. Um, he just sent us the link for it, which we're going to end up putting up on the Facebook and other places, uh, wherever the Turnout of Punk stuff is related. But um, there's a couple local events happening in December. Um, so if you're interested in that and you live in the Toronto-Hamilton area, uh, be sure to, to look into that. But the actual... Um, it's it's called Heavy Metalloid Music, and it's written by Toronto-based music journalist, as mentioned, Jesse Locke, uh, and it's authorized biography of the psych proto-punk legend Simply Saucer. The book not only reveals the compelling history of one of Canada's most important underground bands, but also examines the ongoing legacy of fellow music musical outsiders creating escapist fantasies in their hometown of Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, this has been documented with extensive interviews, rare photos, and an exclusive download comp. So check that out uh, if and when, uh, sorry, not if, when it is available. Um, it's actually, sorry, it came out this week. So yeah, anyone listening, it's already out, go get it. Yeah, I'm really excited to read this book. This is a band that I think, uh, you know, like when we, we've had the discussion of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and... You want you want an, you want an even less reputable rock and roll hall of fame. I'm sure there's a Canadian um, rock and roll hall of fame that is uh, dubious at best with who's in it. But they would, to me, be one of those first ballot bands in yeah, the Canadian I, rock and roll hall of fame. I'm with you as well on that. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I really look forward to reading this book and uh, excited that that is out now. And if you are unfamiliar with this band, oh my gosh, you have found an unopened holiday present under that <laughs> holiday thing that you <laughs> yes absolutely okay. but we'll put up the link so you can check out uh, how to order it and uh it's on eternal cavalier press and it's um, a, yeah if we should do a gift guide and that'll be like one of the gift guides for the holiday gift guide we could do a definitely a punk gift guide book uh, sorry punk Book gift guide. There we go yep. for the holiday season. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and records too. Probably we could probably figure out some records. <laughs> well, that's with that goes without saying. But there's been enough books this year. I think we can do it too. OG sex drive, OG vengeance. <laughs> yep. I got one of the things I was going to say next uh, this year. So I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm in. I don't need any of that stuff this year. I'm. I'm okay. Saying I need all of it. Yeah. I need all of it still. Well, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, any, yeah. Any rich eccentric people with too many records on their hands, feel free to contact me, and I'll gladly take them from you. Uh, uh, a sadist that I know in the record industry one time offered me when I was straight edge that he would buy me a fixed vengeance if I did every drug he wanted me to do. In one <laughs> <night with him. laughs> That's funny. Um, I said no. Um, because yeah, he would have killed me. He would have fucking killed me. I would not have gotten that record. He would have killed me. Uh, did I mention that he was not a good person? Um, hey, might have been worth it. Might have been worth it. Might have. Might have. Uh, okay, next we go, should go on to uh, our first of our regular columnists weekly email. This coming from our Norwegian correspondent, Kel, uh, who has written in to tell us a bit about morbid humor. Uh, regarding the morbid humor... 
There was a band that was connected to the with Anti System. Their only vinyl release was a split EP with Anti System. The same songs was on one of the Pax comps, Daffodils, to the Daffodils. Uh, they also did a demo. There's a chapter in Gasper's Anarcho Punk book about them. Is this is it Glaspers? That guy's name. Uh- I think so, but I'm not. Uh, it Glasper. says Glasper's here. I've never. I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeah, but I was. Th- I thought someone told me it was Gasper's, but maybe I've just totally misheard and I've been repeating it wrong for. But his books are incredible. <laughs> if you do not know his series of punk books that he has been working on about documenting UK punk, it's great. Uh, anyway, uh, I love that "Sun to Death," the song "To Death." I'm sure he means, and I yeah. uh, hoped that they would have released more stuff. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Actually, I don't think I have that record, but I do have, I have a PAX comp. I believe that they might be on it though. Gotta check that out. Yeah. The, the actual record itself is from 85 that he's talking about on reconciliation records. Uh, I looked it up. I don't have this either. I don't know it well enough either. It seems to go for a, not a huge amount of money, but certainly enough that it must be decent. I would think. Well, that's like um, that, that. That's this is like that in the cut period for those records. Yeah, you know, like judging but by it, kids' jackets and stuff these days. Yeah, well, anti system. I obviously have heard heard, yeah. but like, morbid humor in relation to that, I hadn't. So it's kind of interesting that there's this like more or less one off split that this band did, and that was pretty much it. It seems so. Um, but I just thought it was a neat little uh, thing to include because last week there was that whole discussion of the anarcho D beat stuff and all that. And that was one of the ones that we weren't really all that familiar with. So, yeah, a little more info on it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a copy of this. No, me either. I mean, the yeah, Morbid Humor side looks kind of familiar. Oh, it's a 7-inch, no. Morbid Humor one, I, I don't know. I haven't seen this either. Like that, it's a decent-looking record, too, but I haven't... Uh, I've definitely never come across this that I can recall. And what's the comp? Oh, yeah. The comp? Look up. The comp is the the pack daffodils to the daffodils. Here's the daffodils. So what year was that? Same same era, or was it like afterward? Uh, eighty four. Oh wow! So this so is where the com- this is where the songs come on first, I guess. Huh? And it's just the oh my god part one and two. That's it. Yeah, but it's like it's so cool that like I totally forgot that they've got. That band, uh, Let Motif, that's probably like the worst pronunciation ever of that. But you see that on that comp? I haven't, uh, I'm not there with you on the comps. Oh, okay, no. I thought you were on the comp. No, uh, let me find it Even right now. The comp goes for a ton. But you're all PAX yeah. records. We should just do a PAX records discussion. Yeah, comp seems to be of a fair price too, but not, yeah. uh, you know, reasonable at least. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, you're right. It is the same songs on the end of the B-side. Huh. Yeah, I don't know this either. I haven't seen this uh, comp either. What a cover, though. <laughs> it's got Onslaught on it as well. Yeah. And then it's also got that Let Motif band. The the goth band. Okay. I don't know them, actually. But they also did something on Reconciliation Records, too. Huh. Yeah, either way, very cool. It's uh, This is the kind of stuff, if you haven't seen this, Daffodils to the Daffodils. Here's the Daffodils comp from '84 on Pax Records. P A X. Look it up. Uh, but that morbid humor stuff, I gotta hear. I haven't heard this, so it looks like the whole comp is, of course, on the internet. So 
check your sites that would have this kind of stuff on it and uh, preview it. I'm going to do that after we're done recording this, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sitcom. I guess it's kind of like a cool period where in England, you know, like post, you know, punk and DIY, you have like what is classified as punk being so broad. You have goth bands, you have, you know, these twee-ish kind of bands, and you have like speed metal, proto-death metal type bands there, as well as like straight up punk and hardcore bands. Yeah. It's funny how it's multi-genred in here too. Thrash, goth, rock, hardcore, and punk. Yeah, they're and they're all there. You know? Yep. Um, but anyway, we could go on forever about this comic. <laughs> We're already caught in the uh, the wormhole. It's, it's got to have been no control on it, like the American band. The American no control. Yeah. From the mid. From the mid. I thought they were later than this. Okay. Weird. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely got like it's got a Finnish band on it. I saw, and then it's got uh, morbid. Oh no, morbid humor. There is another song on this that's not on the yeah, seven. Yeah, it's got a third song. Yeah, give us the give us this day. So clearly, there D Mob song on it too. And it looks like so. There's an original demo, and it, three of the five songs from that demo are on it. And there's two more. I don't know if they appear anywhere else, but so that's where. So it seems to be from one recording that it all is taken from. Anyway, interesting tidbit for folks that are into that whole obscure thing there. You want to know something really fucking weird, Chris? <laughs> What's that? Okay. Click on uh, that uh, No Sense Band. No Sense, yeah. Okay, Nonsense Band. Yeah. Click on that. Uh, click on the record label that put out their record. Non records, okay, yeah. from '83. Yep. Okay. Look at look, scroll <laughs> down and see what yeah, else they put out. That's a screw up. So what what Damien's pointing out here is there's a there's clearly been two non records <laughs> labels, quote unquote, and uh, the Omegas has come up in the same category, and uh, they're a modern group. So that's clearly just happens to be a uh, whatever. Uh, just a categorization issue on the actual resource itself. But uh, yeah, and uh, the, the other irony about that is I believe Non, the Omega's related Non, was, uh, if not single-handedly spoiler, it was definitely half spoiler. Oh, that, yeah, no, that, that did that. their label, yeah. Yeah. But Anyway, that's funny. Um, it would be awesome, though, if it was the same label. That would be a really <laughs> small punk world for us all. Yeah, right. just re- happened to release the Omega's demo back in 09. Just a little Discogs humor, everyone. Don't mind us. <laughs> Omega's are an amazing band, though. They have a new record out. Go buy it. It's called Power to Exist on Beach Impediment. Yeah, buy, anyway. buy that. Support that label. Pick up that record um, if you uh, enjoy uh, good punk. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I guess we should move on to the next email, Chris, because we're not going to talk about the 10 inches this week, I'm afraid. <laughs> Correct. So we're going to delay you again, folks, and we apologize, but we're going to try and do a whole uh, themed episode of just the 10-inch related stuff and the comp stuff, and it will hopefully be some kind of Christmassy related thing. So next email here I'm going to jump to is from Jeff. This was sent a few weeks ago. We haven't been able to get to it, so... I'm going to try and power through. It's a bit of length to it. It's got some interesting tidbits I found, but... Uh, it's just uh, Jeff mentions he came into punk through metal, uh, as was discussed a few weeks back. If you're a regular regular listener, uh, enjoyed the Judas Priest discussion that we had weeks ago. Basically, we were all saying that we liked Priest, 
and uh, we were kind of amazed. That was a uh, MVP didn't like Priest. That's where that all came from. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, weirdly, it was Judas Priest as well as the Melvins cover of the Green Manalishi with the two pronged crown and the Rosillo's cover of Somebody's Got to Get Somebody's Got to Get Their Head Kicked In Tonight. That led me down the road to exploring Fleetwood Mac, something younger me would have scoffed at. Metal and punk can lead a person in unexpected directions. Uh, and he goes on to speak of this anecdote here. That um, first Fleetwood Mac record is killer. It is, yeah. Well, early Fleetwood Mac is yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Like, see, before it was terrible, it was awesome. <laughs> exactly. And, like, I really, you know, I, I do not like like the other stuff by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Yes, well said. I'm glad that we got that out on the punk show. <laughs> well, no, yeah, well, I know it just, it, there was this there, there was this period where all of a sudden, like rumors became something that it was like really cool to like. Yeah, you know, and people like got past the fact that that's kind of like a shitty record. Yeah, like, agreed. Uh, I don't. I, I like do not like that. <laughs> not even the No Effects cover of Go Your Own Way. No. <laughs> No. Anyway, <laughs> I do like their uh, their cover of um, what what Led Zeppelin song did they do at oh, the Lord, end I, of uh, as an M Airlines, I think. I can't remember at all. Anyway, the only one I remember, I thought it was on that. Is it the same record? Or I thought they do it. I want to say they do it either on Rib Dress and M Airlines. I can't remember, but I thought it was that Fleetwood Mac cover. I didn't know they did a. Oh, maybe Zeppelin. they do a Fleetwood Mac cover on there too. I go, I go back and yeah. listen to that. Like, I think that's way before Me First, even. Like, that's how early they did oh, yeah. it, I believe. Yeah, well, Me First was, like, a, a, a 90s thing. But they probably did a Fleetwood Mac cover, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, for sure, I would guess. Um, so the email, this gentleman goes on to speak of uh, Dave Brocky, who we talked about, uh, in, again, in a previous episode, uh, which came up. Why did that come up? Oh, the Zach uh, Blair episode, because he was in Guar. But... Uh, Anyway, uh, is recently listening to the Movie Crypt podcast where he, uh, two independent film directors were speaking, Joe Lynch and Adam Green. Uh, they produce uh, and star in the TV show called Holliston, which is also starring Dave Brockie along with various other metal and horror people. Um, uh, Joe Lynch also directed the film Wrong Turn 2, starring Henry Rollins, and Rollins even officiated at his wedding, apparently. But on a recent episode, Lynch said that uh, when Holliston first started... Oh, well, that's an interesting side note there, Chris. Keith yep. Morris recently officiated a wedding in, uh, in, at Sound on Sound Music Festival when I, when I did the live podcast there. Yeah. That was my opening act. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's hard to follow up after that. You know, it, it Have you ever done that? Uh, no, no. But I was going to say, who would be your uh, black flag? Well, actually, uh, at my wedding... We got uh, Fred the Barber of the band Absolute Rulers, too. That's right. Yes, yeah, I recall. Um, so, but who who would you be your black flag singer of choice to oh officiate God. your wedding? Uh, I would probably pick Keith Morris as well because I like that he's uh, very grumpy. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I would probably be Keith Morris because because I think he would say something very witty. And I would be interested in that. Have you I'm read this book yet, Chris? I have not. No, I definitely have to. <laughs> you have to. I, uh, I've enjoyed many a, a miserable rant of seeing late uh, Keith Morris bands in some whatever incarnation. So, yeah, I'm curious to read it. It's, um, it's very good. <laughs> all right. Uh, basically, the, the story here is that basically this director had had Rollins, 
co-starring Dave Brocky in uh, in Wait, one of these. You didn't let me answer. You didn't follow it up by asking oh, me. Oh, well, I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> you had one Ooh, already. Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> Who are you picking? I don't know. Like, it's a, that's that's a hard thing. Uh, I'd probably pick Keith, uh, you know, as well. But um, I don't know. Like, who... Like, <laughs> <laughs> would would Des have the best delivery? <laughs> I didn't think about it in those terms. But <laughs> according to you, yes, he would. I don't but, know. Uh, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Keith is Keith is. Uh, I don't know. I like them all. I do prefer Keith in the Circle Jerks. I think. I think that's what I said. Right. That was my hot take that day. What, I, I like the Circle I, Jerks more than Black Flag. Yeah, I'm. W- I think I'm with you on that. Like, I, I don't know what overall, but I, don't I, know if I definitely I still stand by that. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> well, if I were, if I were to, I just think there's more Keith in the Circle Jerks, so therefore, yeah, absolutely that's, no. Well, th- as far as Keith Morris's output, but I meant overall. I said I think I like Keith Morris. Yeah, I don't. I, like I don't know if I'd jerks. go with you there. No. <laughs> Either way. Okay. <laughs> so who would be yours? Des on delivery. I'm just. Probably- I'm just fucking around let's move on chris there's no there's no real there, no one wins by answering this question <laughs> okay speaking of black flag though back relating to this story basically this director had tried to talk to rollins about dave brocky and then rollins seemed to be uh pretty tight-lipped on that situation the subject rather uh and uh basically dave brocky then had mentioned to this director that he was growing up in dc and rollins and Ian mckay used to beat the crap out of him frequently, apparently. Uh, doing a quick search, it seems like this guy, like this is the story that Brocky has been telling for a long time, given all his stories about being an outcast and a weirdo growing up in a weird place. Rollins and Mackay uh, in the bully role uh, is kind of odd that this person's noting here. But uh, we weren't there and only getting the outside of the story from one side. Brocky, he notes here as well, um, and it could be an exaggeration, who knows, but regardless, it's always interesting to hear that from a different perspective, uh, from people who might think a certain way because of the way they create uh, their public persona. So kind of a kind of interesting tidbit there, Damien. Do you have an opinion on that? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I haven't heard that extreme before, but I definitely had heard that there was some sort of, uh, I don't know, not conflict is the wrong word, but there, like, there definitely was. Yeah, like those guys were young people that uh, no doubt had a chip on their shoulder. Like a lot of young people that dis- that sort of discover or find punk, and uh, yeah, like you know, I wasn't there, so I don't know what it was like, and you know, and and also, but I've I've heard from other people in punk that are are quite prominent uh, that they that they were bullies, like, and I'm not saying these guys at all because I have not heard this specifically about them prior to this email. Um, but you know, like, you know, I, I think like, you know, the bully rarely realizes that they're being a bully. <laughs> yes. At that age, especially as well, I, I would say. Um, are you thinking of the story so, that I'm, t- I, I'm, I'm thinking of one specific story that I'm thinking, <laughs> thinking about? I don't know if, okay. I don't know if we're thinking, I don't know. I don't really have anything in mind. I just, uh, okay. anyway, Chris. anyway, uh, yes. it's, it's definitely like, yeah, it's, it's difficult to say, but, um, you know, like I think, you know, Dave maybe legitimately did feel that these guys were being dicks to them. You know, <laughs> but maybe Dave Could, was just fucking around with that whole story too. 
Yeah, I don't know. That's exactly what this person's relaying. So who knows? Um, there's also there's there's, uh, there's uh, you know some interesting quotes from people in old issues of Touch and Go. Um, you know, <laughs> to look up, yeah. For anyone interested. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. So this person also just quickly mentions that uh, I had been thinking of a metal tour way back when. It was like Slayer, Anthrax, and I uh, can't remember who else. Megadeth and Allison Chains, I believe, was the opener, who I didn't care about. Uh, but anyway, it was from 91. It was called Clash of the Titans. So thank you for reminding me of that, Jeff. And uh, yeah, anyway. You didn't care about Allison Chains? Did not. Well, I might have for like a second then when they first... I wouldn't have cared about them on this tour because I was interested in the other bands, but... Yeah, Rooster's um, a sick song, bro. <laughs> I do not agree with you there, no, <laughs> at all. What? I, I would accept maybe a song or two from the first record, but definitely not that record. Oh, my but God. But that's, that's my... Uh... Come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, bro. There was, a, there was a bit about a violent show in this email, too, which I uh, I was curious because, Damien, you, you have a, somewhat of an obsession about the West Coast's violent era in the 90s, even. Um, and basically he's saying that he'd seen Slayer and it was crazy, but it didn't compare to, uh, the second most violent, or sorry, it did compare. It was the second most violent show he had been to, uh, except from, uh, Pennywise get, or Pennywise, pardon me, at a memorial show for Social Distortion's Dennis Donnell, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, in Irvine, year, Irvine years later, it says, which I can only describe as pure carnage. So there you go, and he has the image of the actual shirt from that show, which was the Offspring Pennywise TSOL Agent Orange, and it looks like Social Distortion played as well. Uh, so it looks to be in 2000. Wow, that's a lot later than what I thought. Yeah, well, I bet you any Pennywise show, you know, maybe now it's a little different, but like right up until that point would have probably been pretty nuts. Yeah. I'm seeing AFI. I've, I've talked about this on the show before in Santa Cruz, and it was it was nuts, like a crazy show. Like these bands were so popular, and I think, you know, punk in general, I think is 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 bigger in California. Um, you know, in L.A. certainly. Yeah, I don't. I think what is more astounding to me about hearing things like that is it's just not what I associate with like violent bands or however you want to say that like or like bands with a violent following but i always heard manic uh, hispanic shows are like some of the gnarliest shows for yep. for fights and things like that as you as you've mentioned before as well yeah and that, that kind of it, it sort of doesn't surprise me i guess in a little bit of a way but it sort of does too because that's not ever what i perceive that band to be like at all well yeah exactly like all the songs are so fun yeah you know and totally it doesn't portray but i guess like you know like you know one thing you learn very quickly is is when you play in a band is your fans like you can definitely discourage certain elements from coming to your shows you know and i think you know there's ways to portray your band where you don't have certain elements come out to your shows but you know manic hispanic i don't know i don't think it's any fault of their own you know what what happens in front of the stage when they play but i've never been to the show so i don't know <laughs> yeah all right next email my friend all right next email uh are we did you uh we skipped uh the best blitz song email do we want to not get to it 
I think no. I put it in. Oh, sorry, it is. Sorry, I did skip that by accident. Take that then, or, or whatever. However okay. you want to. Okay, I'll take that one. Uh, regular uh, columnist Dave Martin, friend of the show, a uh, friend of mine, a uh, friend of Chris's, uh, has written in, and the subject for this week's email. He has also written in some ten inches, but. As I said, we're not going to get to them this week, unfortunately. As Chris mentioned, we have a special episode planned for that. Um, But he has written in with the best Blitz song. And his, uh, I guess, nominations are I Don't Need You or Attack, which he claims has the best guitar sound they ever had. Chris, best Blitz song. (laughs) Well, while we're doing this really quickly, uh, we also, the other Dave, uh, David Up. Yes. Also had his take regular on columnist David up regular columnist as well. He has a few other notes for tonight, but going in with this specific subject, he said "Nations on Fire" or "4 Q." Um, mm. I like all of these submissions, of course, because I like all these songs. I don't know. "Nations on Fire" is a very to me that's like a great. Um, I don't know what the word you want to say. It's not obscure isn't the right word, but it's a great pick. I think I've heard bands cover it a bunch, so I, I feel like up to a point it was a song that people wouldn't have chosen to, to select first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I am I'm not with like I mean they're all great, but I would pick probably I love the opening track on that LP. Uh, so we're the boys. I'm gonna say I like more than all those. And or um, going with the obvious ones, like Forty Five Revolutions, man, is great yeah, too. I was I don't say, that's... Those are the ones. Like it's Warriors. We are the boys. Or Forty Five Revolutions would be my top three personally. And I know those are kind of the token songs, so to speak. But uh, or at least two of the three are the token songs. I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just. If I have to make a choice, I'm gonna choose Forty Five Revolutions because it's just that riff is too good. Your yeah. thoughts? Um, yeah, like, ah. Uh, 45 Revolutions, I think, would be probably my number one. Warriors is right up there for me, just because that was probably one of the first songs by them I ever heard. Um, Someone's Gonna Die Tonight is, you know, what a <laughs> what a side one, A1. Perfect. Um, that first record is, is literally perfection, yeah. that 7-inch. That Never Surrender is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, razors in the night. <laughs> True. Like, it's insane. This band has like it's like yeah. it's like you're like oh that's them too. Oh, the thing that's that, them too. Yeah, the thing that you're we're touching on here that's perfectly stated is they definitely knew how to write like a hammer hit. <laughs> like oh, those were all God. yeah. Because even that first record again, "Fight to Live" is is a great song too. It's it's. It's stupid how good it is, that record. And actually, well, all the... For me, the first, what, two or three singles... Yeah, two, three singles and that LP are pretty much untouchable in most regards. Yeah. But I yeah. I don't loathe Late Blitz either, but it, it definitely isn't the same animal. That's a whole other topic, though. Yeah, like, the only thing I really like from the late period is New Age. Yeah, which I, I fortunately have myself. So that—that's what I was speaking of. Telecommunication and whatever the uh, what the hell is it called? Second Empire Justice is definitely a weird <laughs> transition. Yeah. yeah. Uh, back to departure, uh, <laughs> departure records, so to speak. But anyway, 
Whoa, they've got like a, a flexi with propaganda in Moscow on it. Yeah. I don't know, it doesn't say where it's from. What do you mean, what country it's from? Well, like what or, it was for. Like, did this come with a magazine? Oh, Master Bag. Must have been like some sort of magazine, I guess, right? It's got says, a party oh, boy one there. Cabaret Oh, you're looking at the label thing yeah, now. Label. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've never seen this myself. Kind of yeah. shocked that you have it, to be honest. Yeah, that I don't have it. Yeah, this is like you're Chris, the guy that has these records. Come on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm. The only thing I actually lack my Blitz collection. I was just looking lustfully at what a stamped label co- copy would run me. Uh, it's way <laughs> out of my price range. <laughs> but you, you, you speak like you don't have a good Blitz collection, but I guarantee you do. I've got I've got like some records, but I don't have you know <laughs> I don't got I don't got fire or anything like that. I've got one thing I do have that's kind of cool is my Blitz seven inch. Uh, I has hand done labels that some fan did back in the day. But yeah, like, which you mentioned in the interview that is incredible. Yeah, um, but, but that's like you know, and I've got a copy of like every other you know just the the stuff that's easy to get. The thing that I meant to ask him about and I didn't. Is if he has a copy of this time bomb demo. So you didn't. I, I've never seen that either, of course. No. But, uh, well, it's never. There's only one person in the in Discogs Nation that has a copy with it. <laughs> you might want to ask Robbie Brookside. Might be him. Yeah, Robbie Brookside might have that actually. That could be. <laughs> Send drop a line right now. Yeah. No. Spray Twenty Three has it. So. Um. <laughs> so sidebar really quick i think i like that you went to that master bag label or whatever you want to call it the fact that this has eight releases and blitz is the eighth and the other ones are interesting like birthday party cavalry voltaire theater of hate pig bag mm-hmm. like wow that must be a magazine i would think or like, I don't know. anyway very interesting yeah i didn't i've never seen that flexi either but uh I think we digressed from favorite Blitz song on this. Yeah, we anyway. did. We did. We're already into the Blitz weeds. We should get out of it because <laughs> this is going to be what we're going to be talking about for the bulk of the show. So let's finish this mailbag. I mean, yes. let's not finish, but let's dive back into it. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I'll, Just to, to like explain this one really quickly, uh, listener Greg H. wrote in, and a lot of what he discusses here, we did actually t- like cover on the footnotes. So I think he sent it before the footnotes was released. Okay. Because the first paragraph kind of gets into something right away. But anyway, if you're, you're going to take it, Dave, go ahead. Okay, sure. Uh, hey, guys, just a few more things to throw into the ring here, so to speak. Apologies for any typos. I'm attempting to write this with a broken hand. So, Greg, I hope the hand feels better soon. One thing that went unnoticed that shocked me was something that combined Jeff's love of Ultramantis Black and the Ultimate Warriors was that the Ultimate Warriors... Oh, we were kind of alluding to this uh, fact um, that the uh, Ultramantis Black and, and uh, featured members of Piss Jeans, but I don't know if that's meant to be secret. So I think we we're <laughs> dancing around that. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, they were, Ultimate Warriors are a great band. And I... I one time, this is a humble brag that means nothing except in this context once, um, but I was at a record store, like just like a randomly, like one of those record stores where they just have like tons of used records that, you know, no real discernible sort of like, 
eye for sort for curation of what they're bringing in. You know, just like they're just buying r- shit that people bring in, right? Yeah, yeah. And I found a test press of the Ultimate Warriors record that was in a Jughead's Revenge sleeve. <laughs> Which is a great combination for Damien. I sent a picture of it to some uh, to Brad from Piss Jeans immediately. It was like, you are not going to believe what I just picked up. <laughs> nice. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's there. Uh, also, it was crazy to hear Jeff mention uh, Brad Doc in relation to Black Kites drummer Jay Wigan. Uh, I live right down the street from Jay, who now plays in... A concealed blade and slip. Uh, Braddock is also home. Braddock, Braddock, Braddock. Was that? I don't it? know. Uh, I would just say Braddock. Uh, to to Dave Rosenstrauss, who used to play drums in Rambo and Piss Jeans, as well as Max Wallstein, who sang and swallowed up the band that Black Kites did a split with. Oh my God! This is a this is like a whole. Um, flowchart laid out now uh pat garrity from ride the fury records was also mentioned i think i read online before that pat was the original vocalist of steel nation who went on to form holy terror sound with pat in the band to control uh, uh for total cr- uh, crowbar worship after his departure finally the altered boy zero progress tour shoots went unmentioned a man this is a long email Oh my god. It's deep. Uh, but okay, well this is actually very interesting right here. Uh, okay, Alter Boys and Zero Progress did a West Coast tour together and before Joe's Jeff and Matt from uh, Zero Progress would post wrestling style promos about each other. They're pretty hilarious. The singer of Zero Progress actually went on to start the punk satire site The Hard Times. <laughs> I did so, not know that. Yeah, I did not know that either. But that is uh, amazing that everyone kind of like fits neatly together in this world. I was always wondering where the hard times people came from. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's it's definitely got things on it that are clever enough that you would assume that people uh, were in the mix. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it hasn't come up on the show, but I found it. Uh, I found a taupe style piece of information. While talking to Greg from trial at a show in Pittsburgh, I found out that he was the original drummer of the Pissed while living in Connecticut. How about that? What? There yes, you go. the same Pits that's pre-Os Rodden. He didn't play on any recordings, but uh, drummed in the band at the time of their first demo. Thought that was pretty cool. That is that is unbelievably cool. Yep. That's a. That's weird. why I remember highlighting that part in my mind. That's a weird one, Chris. That's what that's what you come to footnotes for, people. Yeah, uh, uh, that's why I keep coming to footnotes for. Oh my God, that's a weird one. Anyway, thanks for the time, guys. I'm hoping uh, Tope Live taping happens in Pittsburgh sometime. Take care. Uh, yeah, hopefully we're hopefully this if this tour goes well. Oh my God, you better believe this thing's going to be coming on the road to a city near you, especially if your state is legal cannabis. <laughs> Pittsburgh's not far from either of us either. No, Pittsburgh's pretty close. I love Pittsburgh. It's a it's a hell of a town. You've been there, Chris? <clears throat> you played there? I have not played there, but yes, I've been there. Well, sorry, that's yeah, I've not played there. No, I've not, but I've I've worked shows there. 
So inadvertently, yes. Oh, well, okay. I was going to say, did you go to that Violent Mind show? Like, fucked up Violent Minds? <clears throat> no, I've not seen you there. Cost of Christ, maybe? It was, a, it was a sick show. Anyway, should have been there, buddy. Should have been there. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next email. All right. I'm going to let you take this one in the red because you know the individual who sent it. So I'm going to take this one in blue after it. That's a production note for all the listeners. Um, it's from uh, John E. relating to the discharge, anarcho, or debeat. Um, listener writes in saying he's standing firm on the idea that discharge is a debeat and not an anarcho punk band. The argument for this idea is that. If we look at the big anarcho bands, we hear more than just uh, thrash and brash breakneck speeds. There's a lot less arty and experimental elements that creep into the music. Crass, flux uh, of Pink Indians, Rudimentary Peni are perfect examples of bands incorporating different styles and sounds into their punk style. Now, I don't want y'all to think I don't like Discharge. I do, they're great, but when I listen to them, I don't think experimental punk I think thrash and bash destruction until with the song, uh, uh, sorry, destruction unit with a strong political views thrown in the mix. Side note, and this is a real weird digression off of that main point, um, Age of Quarrel is a perfect record from start to end. Agreed. Uh, what other records in punk related to genres do you think are perfect from start to end? This is a, another can of worms topic, but it's a good question. Um, Feel the Darkness CD version on Epitaph. Why do you say that? Because that's discontent. Because that's discontent. It's the bonus track. Yeah, and they they reissued it later. I can't remember what the label's called, but yeah. Yeah, but I don't think do the other reissues can can contain discontent. Yeah, I'm not sure if the Epitaph one does actually. I think think the Epitaph CD one does. Either way, (laughs) all right, we're going to the resource right now to settle this one. Okay, yeah, (laughs) that's that's where I had it on Epitaph CD reissue as well as. Vinyl. <clears throat> yeah, the um, I'm gonna look right now. Anyway, great email uh, as per usual. Uh, I guess we can while we're searching for this poison idea thing really quick. So uh, I'm with that general consensus is about the D beat versus anarcho thing. I don't know. You're we kind of I guess already went through that, but yeah, like I see my uh, one my one thing about that would be like at the time it was kind of like revolutionary what they were doing. Like it wasn't necessarily. It's obviously primitive in the way it's it, it's it's I guess played, you know, or bashed out. But at the same time, I think it was revolutionary and maybe arty in the fact that it was so primitive sounding and so raw and so brutal. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I can see uh, you. You have points. But but you know, I I'm, I'm like yeah, it's 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 D beat. I guess it's its own thing, and it's also hardcore. That's where hardcore, you know, like so many bands that you talk to, like when they talk about the speed, that it all starts with discharge. I agree, yeah. And um, I think that actually, weirdly enough, I guess that digression in the email where he talks about uh, Chromag's Edge of Coral is I think Chromag's Edge of Coral marries like the discharge blueprint mixed with other things perfectly. And that's why you get the perfection that is Age of Coral, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, from my opinion, I guess if you like cross discharge and bad brains, that's what you get, more or less. Yeah. Um, the uh, for the listeners and yourself, yes, discontent is on every CD reissue of Feel the Darkness. But I think wasn't it also 
Isn't Epitaph the first CD reissue? No, there's this. Um, I'm looking oh, here. 2003. 90. Uh, the Epitaph one is from the mid 90s. There's one here from France, which looks like to be the original uh, from 1990, and it also has it. So it's always on it, but for whatever reason, I don't think it's on the original LP. No, it's not on the original LP. You had to get it as that sit the discontent yeah. single. It's single, which is great. Jailhouse Stomp, B-side, excellent. Jailhouse jail Stomp, it's like basically a one-sided single. Like, you could get two copies of Discontent and glue it together. <laughs> have a perfect you could, but I just mean, it's just, if only entitled Jailhouse Stomp is a great uh, yeah, great little great little ditty. Um, but yeah, so it contains all of them, on every CD one, it, all the way up to like the last one on There's whatever. There's like some really sketchy story about how Epitaph got that, right? Isn't there? The story I heard, I don't know how true any of it is, is that their drummer at the time, who I believe is Slayer Hippie, yeah, um, sold somehow, like made the deal without the other members know, like knowing or something. I don't know how true any of this is, but that was the uh, the tale told. Uh, I, like, I, was it who who was like the person at Epitaph? Like Greg Graffin is like, yo, or Brett Gerwitz, sorry, is like, yo, you know what we got to do. We got a sign Poison Idea for that record they put out four years ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The whole story is very strange to me. It's so weird. Through any of it is, but you got to figure they released it in 96. So, yeah, five or six years later. Yeah, it's and, like drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Alleged. This is all alleged info. I don't know what is true or what isn't. If uh, anybody has any info, feel free to hit us up. But, uh, yeah, um, that message was great. You can take the one in red, I guess, there, Dane. Okay. The one above, the one I just read. Andy, uh, uh, my my buddy Andy It Up has written in with some 10 inches, so once again, we're not getting to him, but also wrote in t- uh, in regards to Joyle, Doyle in a New York football giant starter jacket. Uh, have either of you seen... The photo of Jason from Violent Society with Doyle and Jerry from like 95 when Jason tried out for the Misfits. No, I have not seen that photo. It's one of my favorite photos ever. Jason is all decked out in punk gear and the brothers are just in their street clothes. Specifically of note, Doyle is wearing a New York Giants starter jackets and if memory serves me correctly, I believe uh, matching Giants sweatpants. It's fantastic. I remember uh, talking to Jason about it. He must really love this photo. This is secondhand, obviously, but I remember him saying how bummed he was at the time that they looked like normal dudes with muscles. If you haven't seen the photo, I'll try and find it for you. No, we haven't, so please do try and find that photo. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. You know, like they were like, you know, at the time, probably like on their like wrestling. They were going into wrestling at that point, right? I I don't know. Again, I'm not. Is there wrestling not... in like '97? I think. Yeah, it seems about right. So that whatever the uh, what was the big comeback record? Uh, American Psycho. There we go. Yeah, it came out around that time. Well, they did too. a tour before American Psycho came out, where they were just like doing the hits. Oh, okay. I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not the the largest uh, Misfits fan out there, but yeah, I might be the only person on the planet too that thinks it's cooler that Doyle is wearing. <laughs> New York Giants gear than Misfits gear, personally. Speaking. Yeah, like, if if he was walking down the street in his full Misfits regalia, I would be kind of, like, w- like weirded out. 
<laughs> I just think that it's cool. He, like, if he is a Giants fan, that's great. I'm, I'm into that. Oh, I'm sure he loves that. the Giants, dude. Hanging out with him, no doubt in my mind. That guy likes some football. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So, yes, I, I can't wait to see that photo. <laughs> Please send it. Uh, and so, uh, next email, Chris. All right. Going down. This is from uh, Drew. And it's uh, on footnotes. He mentions, uh, I guess this would have been a week or two ago, probably two weeks ago anyway, that we had mentioned, or Damien more specifically, had mentioned the term colophans. And that this listener mentions that he would fall into we that category. We skipped a bunch, Chris. No, well, the orange we're not doing. Oh, and, oh, and, oh then we skip. Oh, Ryan no, H's. I missed, sorry, I missed one. Again, I'm like really failing tonight. I normally color code them different. So what I'll do, I'll go through this one. What do you want to do? No, go through, why don't you go through, yeah, yeah well, well, whichever, yeah. Why don't you do the one you're on? Sorry. All right. right. So uh, this person basically says reasonably early call a fan, and he uh, got into the left for dead accurate split and the ochre split. And then moved on to the Swarm 10-inch as soon as they became available in Australia from about 97, 98 onwards. And uh, this sort of just speaks to Damien's uh, <laughs> ongoing theory that the Colophan, uh, the cult of Callahan, if you will, uh, is a real thing that exists. And uh, it, was yeah, a, have... it was a hardcore zeitgeist for a moment. Yeah. You know, like I... to, to dress like Callahan, to be in the bands that he was into. Um, you know, and I, and I say this as a, as a, as a call fan. <laughs> yeah. I just like that you make that stipulation every time. Well, cause I, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm putting people down, you know, by, by, by the, this, I like, I love Chris and yes. he's like one of those people that if you were to have a hero in this music genre that you're not supposed to have heroes in, you could do worse <laughs> than having a hero in Chris Callahan. Yes, he is. A, he's a worthy, uh, worthy of praise. Certainly. Yeah, he has never let me down in any way, and like you know, and I've let myself down plenty of times. <laughs> anyway, I think that's a good point. But yes, Chris is much loved in this area, and his, and his interview is great. If you haven't listened to it, yeah, he's going to come back. We keep talking about having a part two, and we're going to do it. He wants me to come over to his house. We'll do it there, but we just haven't had a chance to kind of like coordinate our schedules because he is the veggie. Uh, food condiment king. Right? <laughs> yes, slowly becoming absolutely slowly becoming. So he's he's been he's been working his hustle vegan hustle for a while now. So unfortunately, he uh, we haven't been able to coordinate schedules. But yeah, as Chris says, his episode is cool, and I would yes. think a footnotes about a Chris Collin episode would be incredible. <laughs> yes, it's episode sixteen for any inquiring minds. But anyway. Um, uh, yeah, so the, you, I guess H. you, yeah, Ryan H. Ryan you H has written in with a, he wrote in a couple times this week, but we're going to focus on this one in particular in regards to this week's episode. Hey, I just wanted to write in and say thank you and Mackie for talking about Leatherface during the episode. Leatherface is one of those bands I've always heard about, but never gotten a chance to actually listen to. After hearing Mackie say he wants springtime to be played at his funeral, I had to pause the podcast and give it a listen. Immediately, I loved it and had to play it for a second time through. On the second listen, the lyrics and the delivery on the, of the recording as a whole brought me to tears. If it is goddamn beautiful, uh, it is goddamn beautiful. 
Also, while listening, a flood of bands started entering my mind. I hear Face to Face, Get Up Kids, Jawbreaker, and tons of other bands who no doubt were heavily influenced by Leatherface. So thanks again for spending a few extra seconds to talk about a band I should have given a chance two years ago. Just another benefit of listening to Tope. Uh, well, I really appreciate that, and there are numerous, numerous benefits to this podcast, Chris. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like meeting Mackie I- from Blitz. <laughs> totally i i thought that uh i that part where not that i should have been surprised but i was a little surprised hearing sort of like uh him talk about how much he liked leatherface not that i like really they're a great band so i, I don't I shouldn't be surprised but it was just kind of weird hearing it i don't know i was first i i first heard about him from you know someone who's mentioned on the show <clears throat> and actually someone who we should mention again because he's recently reissued the first Blitz 7-inch, Simon Harvey, and head of Ugly Pop Records. Um, yes. That's the first guy who ever told me about Leatherface, and he's like, you got to hear this band. They're like the best band ever. And it's, <laughs> you know, and I kind of agree. You know, they're, like, they're incredible. Like, they're, he's got, a, like, a, you know, like, I've heard it described as uh, Lemmy doing punk, I've heard it described as, you know, a lot of different things, but I, I, I don't know. There's just like a passion there that like, yeah, I think, uh, springtime is probably like, oh man, what's the best Leatherface song? That's a, <laughs> it's like a two-parter. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I do think this, this listener points out, like he's mentioning face-to-face, get up kids, jawbreaker, all that stuff. I think like. Leatherface to me is like the groundwork for all that stuff to come later. I don't know how much of it is exactly alike, but I would even go so far as to say stuff like Hot Water Music oh, yeah. or all that kind of stuff. And too. Hot Water so, Music did that tour and like did that split with them and acknowledged mm-hmm. it, you know, like uh, 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 in a very kind of like real way. But yeah, they're they're a band that I think you know they've like they fuck they've influenced my band. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, like they're 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 uh, an influential band. Yes, for sure. Also, a band that I'm like surprised hasn't had that moment in the UK press where like Mojo or like you know like the, that sort of like you know British music rediscovery kind of circuit, if it still exists, maybe has hasn't taken them up. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like for me, that group, I think they're revered. It was specifically what we're talking about with the hot water music uh, thing. And I do recall them being a bit more in the zeitgeist when that sort of stuff was happening. But I'm always amazed that more people don't um, continually gush over this band. I think a lot of people do, but it doesn't, um, I don't know, they're just not, they don't seem to be as in the mass consciousness as I would expect on a regular basis. But uh, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I don't know the reason for that. But in Britain, I don't know what the popularity is in relation to what people here are into it with. I don't know. I, like, it seems like they're obviously, they've got, like, they're following, but I mean, just, like, as far as, like, a, you know, like, to, to be kind of, like, brought into that same sort of rarefied air that gets to be breathed in by, you know, uh, the Joy Divisions and they, you know, like, there's, like, sort of, like, cult bands that get accepted, or not, I mean, not cult bands, but, like, you know, like there's there's sort of like this sort of uh, rediscovery thing that happens to bands sometimes. You know, Simply Saucer, certainly a band that was rediscovered in Canada. And you know, like I, I'm just surprised that Leatherface hasn't been. You know, there hasn't been like a young pop punk band that's started 
bringing them up or something like that, you know? No, it is weird. Like, I, I definitely think it's due. They're due. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. They're due. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, I think you're hitting on something, but I think the the kind of, like, be, them being canonized to the level of Joy Division, I think perhaps part of the reason that isn't the case is well, because... That, that's a ridiculous well, one to say, Joy Division. I shouldn't have picked Joy Division. No, I, I don't think... That's the first it's... name that popped in my head. No, no, but I, I know what you're speaking about when you're saying that. Like, I get, like, what you're trying to say. I think some of it is just that those early records are just hard to come by, it seems. And I think that's a lot of people's... Yeah. Um, maybe the what block a lot of people from hearing it. Like, I know in this internet age now that that changes, but... I mean, I don't, uh, sadly, I don't own any of those originals either because they were never easy to obtain. So um, I think that's that's just mainly it. I, I think if I had to pinpoint why, it's just that. It's, the, you know, they weren't, um, you know, a pop group or whatever. They weren't in that same arena. And they've probably, well, although they do have a record on Domino, mind you, but um, before that, I mean, there was, what, four records they put up before that on fairly obscure labels so to speak so yeah yeah no i think uh you're probably right like it's probably because like you know you can't get those records roughneck records i believe was put out yeah a lot of the early stuff domino records first one of the first releases on domino records that also comes up back again to this because lawrence from domino of course is thanked on the first blitz seven inch um as we talk about in this episode which i'm going to get into believe me i'm going to get into that one as well but uh, the first release on Domino Records is a Leatherface record, I believe. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I just... It's, it's really, really early, if not number one. Yeah, and again, if you think about that idea, too, with it, they're ahead of the curve on that, so Domino then becomes sort of a big animal, uh, you know, way after. So, um, yeah, I don't know. They're there, but they're... I don't know. They're, they're, they're kind of... They're a perfect footnote band, to be, to be honest, <laughs> the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, I don't know why. They should certainly be more... Uh, for me, they should be on par with like people's like uh, affinity for something like Billy Bragg or something. And I don't, I've never understood why it never quite reached that. But, uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, no, it's weird that they never kind of found that... Um, you know, I guess like... I don't know, I guess they never really found that kind of like level of popularity. They never had a hit. I mean, it's bad timing, poor timing. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is, but yeah, they're, uh, and I was not aware they're from Sunderland. Wow. So they're from the North. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Anyway, interesting, uh, interesting tidbit, but yeah, I think they do have a cult following certainly. So it's not like there are no fans of this band, but I definitely am with you on that. They should be much, uh, bigger or whatever, highly revered than they seem to be on a regular basis. The Domino discography is very confusing. Trying to go and see where, how far. And I think they come way later in the discovery than I thought they did. Either way. <laughs> a bunch of other things. Anyway, Chris, sorry. Distracted. But that, was the, uh, that was the end of the footnotes for this week. We have uh, like a sort of a message relating to the actual meat of the episode. But uh, yeah, we're, well, we're through them this week. Well, let's dive into this week's episode. Um, and I guess before we do, let's let it be opened up. By regular columnist Dave Martin, or sorry, David Up. David Up. We've yes, gotten to Dave other... Martin's email. This one's David Up's. Uh, yes. His notes on the episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, am I taking this or are you taking this? Uh, why don't you take it, Chris? All right. Love Blitz. Love 
that wave of UK punk, he writes. I concur with that, as I'm sure you do, Dame. Yes. Uh, Joy Division, I love that punks love them too. It seems like a lot of punks like them, but not a lot of Joy Division fans seem to return the favor. Uh, Touch and Go fanzine had a lot of praise of them uh, at the time as well. And yes, that is an uh, astute observation, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, and I, I kind of agree, I don't know... See, I always perceive most Joy Division fans as punk fans, but it's probably because I don't know anybody, all that many people that aren't interested in punk, personally speaking, in my social network that are that are into Joy Division or something. Well, I think... Do you- yeah, like I think Joy Division now is just the ubiquitous, right? Like so many people are probably into Joy Division that probably just wouldn't pay, you know, any mind to punk. You know, maybe it wouldn't be anti it, but like, you know, probably wouldn't be that into Blitz. Maybe. Oh, I agree there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely, I don't. I wouldn't associate Joy Division fans with Blitz fans, apart from them not knowing the later Blitz stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's. I think for me, it's it's my affiliation with Joy Division or whatever has always been punk related. So I don't, I've never seen it that way. But yeah, I suppose. But yeah, I I do think the touch and go thing is interesting. I remember reading those bits. Yeah, and also that. it's like the big boys bring them up to they're yep. you know there's that yeah they were a punk band. Absolutely, yeah. Did you? He says here his flyer book. Did you get to see it? Oh, from Mackey's. Pardon no, me. no, I did not get to see that book. But oh my god, is that a treasure? To think <laughs> of, like yeah. everything in that scrapbook. <laughs> it does, it's definitely something. The very least, the uh, rough trade rejection letter would be amazing. Oh to read. my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and best five bands on no future. Dave's list. Blitz, Partisans, Crux, Violators, and Attack. Okay, Damien. Well, let's, let's, I don't know. What are you going to say? I don't know. That, that's a great list. <laughs> I have to look at the... Uh, I don't have the discography pulled up. I'll pull it up now. We can go. But uh, anyway, great. Uh, the, he had another point here. I guess I'll get to while we look that up. Um, yeah, wait, let me find the, that. The other one here... Bands, oh yes, bands covering your songs in front of you. What do you do? I would sing the song. <laughs> Damien, have you ever had that experience? Uh, no, I don't think I've ever seen anyone cover. Oh no, that's, well, that's not true. Like people have brought me to do fucked up songs with them. You know, like so you have you have participated. Yeah, like but it, those were like pre like I haven't like stumbled in on a band and they were just like oh this is police, you know like <laughs> but like uh, years ago Lullaby Orchestra did. Um, generation and i went in and sang with them and no they did what did we do we do crusade no we did crusades sorry um i did generation with someone else and i saw gord downey and the sadies cover generation but i didn't sing that that that's the only time that's actually just happened and i was like you know because it's watching gord downey sing generation uh, i was just shocked like i i would have run on stage and sang along, but probably security would have dragged me off and it would have been humiliating. So, um, I just stood in shock and watched it happen. <laughs> and then, uh, I, I sang with always, always, uh, uh, had me like always with, you know, the two V's, yep. the, the homies, um, had me come and do uh queen of hearts with them last year. And I got to perform it at the Danforth music hall, which is in my neighborhood I grew up in. So that was kind of a cool experience. Kids, yeah, cool. 
kids did not care. <laughs> I think the context, though, the funny context of like a band not knowing or something, like like accidentally, I don't know. I, I in the interview, it's really funny how he kind of brings that up. We had been one time. This band covered no warning, and said all this, you know, kind of homophobic shit on stage. And Ben went up to him afterwards in the fucked up show, and Ben was like, "You guys can't cover no warning anymore." <laughs> Wow. Yeah, we were in England. I'm not going to mention the band's name, but it was pretty That's fun. interesting, though. I like that the idea of uh, like revoking the privilege is an interesting concept. Well, in Japan, it's an insult. <laughs> to cover, oh, yeah, yeah. That I didn't know of that. When you spoke of that in the interview, I was not aware of ever hearing anything of that nature. Yeah, like that's the, the uh, story I always heard was involving a band going over there and covering... Uh, a legendary Japanese band whose name should not be mentioned, and then the drummer showing up at the show a couple nights later and being like very angry about it and like trying to fight him. Wow. Yeah. That, so that is serious. Yeah. Who knows if that's true or not? You know, this is just like hardcore legend, pre-internet yeah. hardcore legend mind, but still hardcore legend. Huh. So take it as you will. But uh, like, yeah, like I, I. I remember when we used to cover Nervous Breakdown, I one time I was like, can we have this, Keith? Can this be our song now? <laughs> He's like, sure. This is like before Black Flag got back together. Yeah. But, you know, alas, <laughs> I do not My actually, guess is you did not no, say. There's no paperwork. So I, I, <laughs> I can't sue anyone. Get in on that action. So you're no future bands, I'm sure. Like back Now I've called it up. So uh, Screaming Dead. Though that, that's <laughs> you're choosing that. No, I, I have my five. <laughs> okay, go for <laughs> yours. Go for yours. Well, Blitz has to be on there. Fully back that. Fully backs partisans as well. Fully back all these. Dave's picks are excellent and all hitters. There are two other bands that I would try to work in on this, mm-hmm. and I would probably substitute. Sadly, the Violators and the Attack. But again, it could work either way. But that Blood Megalomania record, or Megalomaniac, yeah, was it called? Yeah, it's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So I would say the Blood, and I would... Um, he has on here... Who did he pick? He put Crux, and I would pick Crash, just because that 12-inch is so deadly. I'd put both of them on. But, uh, again, that's splitting hairs. It's all great. I would be in the Test Two Babies, uh, Run Like Hell, because I fucking love that song. Yep. Uh, was it Run Like Hell? What's that song? Yeah, Run Like well, Hell. Yeah, of course. Uh, then, uh, oh, that Blitzkrieg record is is awesome. The the Red Alert single yeah, is pretty fucking incredible, too. It's hard to choose it, really. Band the top from the five Pubs by Peter and Tessu Babies. Yeah. Uh, so Peter and Tessu Babies would definitely be on mine. Uh, Blitz, uh, obviously. Partisans, obviously, because... I think my favorite No Future record, well, probably All Out Attack, but Police Story, maybe maybe number yeah. one? It's really good. Um, and then, who? So, yeah, that's, uh, I, I just can't even pick my last one. I'm just going to have to say Three More Wishes. Because um, <laughs> they're, yeah, it's like it's a crazy label. There's a lot of good stuff on this label. Yes. Absolutely, I agree. It's it's difficult to do a top. It's weird to do it by bands. I almost would pick records over bands because I think 
you you hit on a great point with the partisan seven inch there. Uh, Crux Crash is one of uh, might be my no I can't say it's my favorite, but it's definitely top three. I don't know. Yeah, it's there's there's too much great stuff on it. I can't choose, but yeah. the, those are mine. I just thought that blood. I wanted to show that blood seven inch because it's unbelievable. That blood anyway. seven inch is crazy. That band is amazing. The blood. True, agreed. But that single in specific is just next level. Um, yeah, there's it's it's one of those labels that there's like, you know, not a, it didn't go for a super long time, as far as like the first wave of it, but they put out a breadth of incredible bands. Well, it's just one of those labels where you could pretty much buy everything you see, and it would be all pretty decent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it would either be amazing or at least decent enough where there's there's not a lot of regrets on this label, so to speak, if any. Yeah. I would love to know how the Channel 3 was the band they decided on from America. Yeah, I don't... It's, it's weird. It's... I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know either. <laughs> um, but I, is that it for... Sorry. Nothing. I said it seems like a strange choice, but go on. Is that it for Dave's email? Uh, yeah, pretty much. There was just, uh, let me see here. Uh, well, he's yeah, got that more was Blitz it. songs that we already got through. Yeah, we already did that. So the episode itself is now here. All right. <laughs> All right. We kicked the mailbag's ass once again, yeah. uh, except for the 10 inches, but we'll get to that another time. Uh, so Chris, I guess you want to start. Where do oh, you want to go boy. first? Well, we touched on a lot of good things already, which I... Very happy that we've already kind of got into some of this, so people don't feel like we've uh, been avoiding it. But yeah, um, yeah. boy, where do we want to start? First of all, I guess when I hear Blitz, I don't think of something like Stiff Little Fingers. Uh, although maybe I should, but the idea that he was really into, or they were really interested in stuff like Stiff Little Fingers, and he really loves the Clash. Like, I don't hear those bands in Blitz, personally speaking. Maybe a little more Stiff Little Fingers, certainly, than The Clash. But mm -hmm. I like the idea of, like, bands aiming for, like, a group to aspire to. And because of their probably level of proficiency or whatever, they don't quite hit it. But in, in the process, end up making something, like, arguably equally as great, if not greater. And I think, like, that's the way I framed what he was saying in that part of the interview. I don't know. Have you ever thought about that concept before? Yeah, like, I think back to Stiff Little Fingers for a sec. I, I could see the way they had an aggression and an attack in what they were doing that wasn't, other than the Sex Pistols, I think they're in any other of the first wave bands. Like, they're not the first yeah. wave, but, like, the immediate sort of, like, legit first wave of UK bands that kind of came. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. You know, like his vocal, like, uh, is just like so, like, like raspy. Yes, I, I, that's the only part of it. Like when I think of that, I think okay, his raspiness, and like if I think of a song like Alternative Ulster. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was kind of. I can kind of see where there's a blitz, you know, where blitz comes from there. But when I think of like uh, some of the other songs, like on that first LP, I don't really hear it as much. So it's. I just like the idea that you're like when bands form, they have a template in their mind of what they want their band to sound like. And so many in history have had like these, you know, different directions or whatever. And I shouldn't say Stiff Little Fingers isn't really that different. The Clash, I would think, is certainly quite a bit different than the Blitz for yeah. me. But um, 
anyway, just the idea of not hitting that mark, but in not hitting that mark, you, <laughs> you end up making something like, like his Blitz to me, I mean, like I said, those first three singles and that LP, I think it's pretty genuine consensus, like it's pretty much perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't know how. <laughs> well, maybe like, it's like, maybe it's like Stiff Little Fingers meets Joy Division. Like maybe that's what the sound they have is, right? Like it's, it's got that like dark kind of like, like low bass kind of like brooding bass and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, Manchester darkness, Gothic, whatever. Well, I think, I think one thing that could be mentioned, although he's, when he's speaking of Joy Division, it's like you didn't talk super in depth about the eras or whatever. I'm assuming he's talking first LP and prior, but I hear, you know, you could hear like that pre whatever, like the sort of pre Joy, whatever it is. I don't know if it's actually demos, but like that whole that all stiff the Warsaw kitten stuff, stuff. Oh, the Warsaw, like the Warsaw stuff. That yeah. like you can hear an aggression in that. That you know, if they were into that on the ground level, and I believe they were, then that I could hear translating. Obviously, in like that later Blitz stuff, like uh, what's that record called again? Second Empire Justice, whatever telecommunications, all that stuff. That, you know, you hear, that to me sounds like the second Joy Division record. Yeah, like that's but I mean like that early Joy Division stuff, like as far as like the, when it was still kind of like, still like, still rooted punk. more in punk, yeah. But like that's, yeah. and I guess that would be kind of the stuff they would have been exposed to when they're talking about going to like that, that factory night. Um, that they would have been seeing in like the early Joy Division shows there. Yeah, how it's so insane. It's just insane to the idea that I've never thought of Blitz in the in the in the same spectrum as like Joy Division in my mind. Mm-hmm. And hearing him speak about all that, I was just like, "This is just so much more amazing than I ever thought it could be." <laughs> like I didn't. What I just didn't think like get more amazing to me, and it's like that for me makes even more amazing because I just like so much of that stuff too. So. Anyway, well, I think that like think about that he he brings up the show, but like the the Manchester gig, like the the one that changed the world, like they they like to say, right? Which the was, Sex Pistols one, or the... yeah, when the Sex Pistols played that show yeah. in uh, what was the what's the uh, uh, the Lesser Free Trade Hall? Yeah, in, in is the show, and they play that show, and it's like you look at who's in the crowd, it's it's nuts. Like Mick, it is Mick Hutnell is, is in there. The guy from Simply Red. Yep. You know, he's in the crowd. And, and Morrissey and, and like, mm. you know, Marky Buzz Smith Co- and, like, the Buzzcocks put on the show. And, yeah. like, it's, like, Joy Division's there. And, like, it's it's really, like, a who's who of people that would change the face of, of a certain type of music, you know? Certainly a music that we're really interested in. And, you know, like... <laughs> And then also, it's like, then you think about, you know, that happening a little bit later with members of Drudy Column and, and Joy Division again and Buzzcocks again and Blitz and probably, you know, the Smiths again and all these people being in those early factory nights. Yeah, agreed. And sort of even like the that touching on the whole, like, I don't know, that being like the pre-rave thing or whatever you mm-hmm. want to say, too. Mm-hmm. So that goes off in a whole crazy other direction. But yeah, it's, I don't know, I I just, for whatever reason, I never even, I've never even thought to think of where Blitz were from. Yeah. I've never even, I don't know, I never worried about it for whatever reason. And like that whole interview, he he kept talking about things and I thought, wow, this is 
like I did not expect them to be a kind of like a northern band. And yeah, when he's just yeah, like it's just not like you know I I'm finding that more and more now probably because just geographically I had no idea about anything in Britain up to a certain age, but like that I did not place them anywhere near Manchester in my mind at all. Well, I guess so, it's because they were from kind of like outside of Manchester that they never claimed it in the same way that you have other bands really claim the city they're from, or like, you know, yeah. Gang of Four putting, uh, like, Leeds Town Hall on the cover of their record, you know? Or... I, think, I think what it is for me is I just always probably naively uh, chalk them in with, like, just sort of London groups or something. I just always assume that, okay, well, all these kind of, like, you know, broadly speaking, skinhead bands or oi bands, whatever, they're, you know, probably most of them were from London and the blah, blah, and just completely wrong. But uh, I think I just, I don't know, in my mind, maybe associated with like the last resort or something weird. I just, it's just seems like it should be there. I don't know yeah. why. But then again, when you hear the Blitz progression thing, like the departure record, especially that to me seems like, oh, okay, yeah, they were right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It's it's very interesting. It's definitely a whole part, and maybe it's just because I haven't read up thoroughly about some of the, this group or something surrounding them. But I didn't place them there and didn't think of that whole Joy Division angle or that whole thing. Well, it probably but, explains uh, that departure a lot more. You know, like they were like watching all these bands around them become famous. Yep, totally. Like, oh shit! Why can't that be us? Like we just got to do a little thing here, a little thing there, and then then we'll be there. Yeah, I love that he left, though. I think that's oh, so, so awesome. cool. <laughs> it makes the whole thing super cool. Oh, my but, God. Uh, it makes it, like... It's just, like... It's just, like, the, the most... Auth- like, just everything about him is just, like... Like, you know, like, it's just so humbly awesome. Yeah, agreed. I think the interview tr- translates that very well. And, uh... I don't know. I just, yeah, I never thought of that whole angle. I think we're, it's funny because I didn't think we'd get into this aspect of the the whole thing. I suppose it's my fault for jumping in so early on that stuff, but I just thought, yeah. No, that please, angle. no, this is fun. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I kind of think that's the thing about him is he's, like, one of those, one of those people that is, like, perfectly... I don't know, like, it, like he wasn't like he he had to chase this for his whole life, you know? And I'm not yeah. saying that I'm a I'm I, I'm fucking chasing it my whole life, so f- I'm not <laughs> I'm not casting disparagements on people that do that. But like, you know, when people are able to walk away, it's like there's there's something you got to respect there. And like, we've got friends that have walked away, and it's 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 awesome when you can see someone that's able to do that, and especially someone who's this significant. Yeah, for me, I think that's more of what is the commendable aspect of it in terms of the idea that. You're lucky enough to be born at a certain point in time, and you know whatever in a certain region, and you you know you you've witnessed this aspect of history, so you could easily just continue being the person that it you know continues to whatever uh, will benefit from it, but also kind of like build your identity on that, and to walk away from that is to me a commendable thing because it just seems like something people a lot of people out there sort of shamelessly still trot around trying to live off for the rest of their life. And so to see someone who kind of just was like, yeah, I was out at this point. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I, I, I really liked it. Yeah, like, I, I, I think that's the thing is, like, I don't know, it, it's, uh, it's just cool. It's cool. Yes, your point, my friend. 
All right, my point, Chris. Oh, God. Um, oh, I think we got into a good one there. I like that idea. We just t- touched on, like, four, but anyway. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We, we, we plowed through a bunch of... Well, I'm going to have to go through my notes. I just want to say really quick that uh, this is another proponent for my Clash argument. Not that it's versus the Sex Pistols, but I like hearing people like this who love the Clash. Yeah, but that's uh, a, it's a time and place thing, you know? Like, uh, read. <laughs> like, like they catch a lot of shade on this show, my friend. I know, but that's why. But Anthony Bourdain was the guy that silenced that argument for me. You know, because he's <laughs> anyway. like, "Look, I was there. You know, are the <laughs> the, the Clash? You know, the Sex Pistols make a better record? Yes, of course. You know, but mm-hmm. you know, but the the Clash, you know, were good. And so I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Tony, you, you you hit the nail on the head. The Clash were good. <laughs> that sounds like a backhanded compliment coming from you, Dave. But well, they were good at a time of greatness, Chris. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, okay, uh, that's me postponing uh, getting my notes out. Uh, I, I'm gonna go with uh, Slaughter and the Dogs. And, you know, that's the one band we didn't touch on in the last section. And that's another band that he brought up as being an influence and a band that they got to see. And it's they're another band that I think, you know, from that sort of same part of the world that it, it you know, probably was an influence. That's probably also where some of the aggression comes from. Yeah, I like, uh, again, I'm not... Uh, I don't know their catalog extensively, but I know that first LP, and it's ex- it's amazing. But um, well, that's probably what would be influencing them. It's like they probably wouldn't be going that into the later stuff, right? Because they would have been already going by that point. Yeah, I would think. But that I think the idea, though, that these kind of groups were um, well, the, he even mentions that the actual bit about like where well the boot boys gone in relation to like the time and place, which I thought was a really interesting. Like hearing someone talk about that directly, I thought was interesting. But um, I don't know. I, I really like, I don't know. I just love that LP. I think the band's great. I think they're, I again, I did not place Blitz, you know, in the vicinity of where they were, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of. So that's another interesting thing to think about. But yeah, I don't know. I just like the band. I don't know really much what to say about them other than that. I think they're great. But yeah. Well, they, I've heard a lot of they had like stuff. a yeah. There, there's like you know they had connections. Of course, the nosebleeds. They had connections to. Uh, there's like that story of, oh God, who is it? Someone from the Smiths tried out for him, right? I had heard initially it was Morrissey, but I don't know if factually that's correct. Yeah, there's. I think there's that. That's the legend, right? And then there's yeah. You know, they're and they're just one of those bands that put out and knew how to write a punk song and wrote some like you know where have all the boot boys gone. And yep. is one of the one of the best. And do you have um, any of those singles? I've got uh, the cranked up really high. Nice, the first one. Cool. Yeah, but like you know, like it's not a, a a killer rare record, right? No, I know, but it's just one of those. It's I guess cool I've record. seen that too. I've passed over it, but the because uh, I just finally got that LP or original of it. I don't have but, an original uh, of the LP. I would love to get an original of the LP. Nice. Oh, and I also yeah, have the. Uh, the record on TJM, the uh, It's All Right 12-inch um, with the dog with its head blown off. Oh, okay, from 79 it says yeah. here, yeah. 
I don't have any of these uh, DECA ones. Yeah, those are all the... I don't know why I haven't gone harder to get all these. I don't have any of these. But, um... Yeah, including the infamous Where Have All the Boot Boys Gone single. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. Just, just a great band. I don't know what else to say. To me, that this band and that era are very similar to Blitz in that it's like that LP's perfect. I would say those, whatever, that run of singles up to... Actually, even the one you have, I'd say probably up to 80, mm-hmm. they're probably decent. Mm-hmm. Um... That I believe it isn't me looks so weird though. You see that one? Where is this? Never mind. Oh, it is. <laughs> this this single maybe not. I don't know, man. It's such a weird artwork for it. It's from '79. If you look under the singles, it's right after that first run. It almost looks like it's a weird comp. It's after "You're Ready Now," I believe. Slash, it isn't me. DJM. Uh, oh yeah. Weird, weird looking. Well, that looks so sick. That must have just been something they sent out to, uh, like, jukeboxes. Oh, yeah, it's it from be. Germany, Chris. There we go. That explains <laughs> that. That's the explanation. There. But either way, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything to go off All of the vibe. Way. Like, East Side of Town has, like, the weirdest vibe, too. Yep. But that's you. You start. You're starting to get into the sort of like that Slaughter. getting past the line. Yeah, yeah. That that first uh, run is where it's most key for me with this group. But yeah, yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, I don't know what to go off on that point other than what we already okay, discussed. Okay. Well, then let's move on. Next point. Okay. Um, the I like that you brought up Juke. I like that. Uh, he was familiar with Juke, but it seemed to say that he, I don't know like how he put it, but to me it it seemed that he didn't, they didn't, or he didn't know of Juke at the time, and it seemed to be something that has been like one of these posthumous bands that has become... Were they just like uh, a studio project type thing? Was that the deal? I don't really know. I mean, I don't have, unfortunately I don't have any of these records either, but the uh, that comp that they recently reissued, whatever. Like 10 years 2000- ago, right? No, 2013. It says actually the Juke Rule. Oh, okay. Because uh, the one there was one that was like, like 20. Oh, yeah, yeah, 2005. Oh yeah, sorry. The uh, yeah, class. the CD one. Yeah, yeah. But the um, but the, I guess what I was trying to get at here was the idea that perhaps some of these groups, um, like if I if you saw this now, you would just assume that people knew of this in the era. Mm-hmm. But the idea that perhaps some of these groups gained a life after the fact more than at the time and i'm curious to to see based on what he's saying it makes me think that with juke that was the case yeah like i would say that you know for the most part they seem like they were kind of unknown completely yeah they didn't really have you know they've got these singles none of them have sleeves which leads me to believe that they weren't sort of widely distributed um you know there's very it looks like there's only one pressing of every single one of them yeah, which is crazy too. Like seventy-two to what seventy? Well, eight the single, so to speak, or seven? Yeah, seventy-eight. Yeah. But the uh, and it's funny because the latest one is the only one I'm familiar with. I wasn't aware that they go back that early. Yeah, no, they go back like right the way. But I think it was just a studio project, if I remember hearing correctly. Okay, so maybe that's why. I don't know. Based on what he's saying, at least they didn't translate to him at the time. Yeah. But uh, it was like the idea, though, I've just kind of, that came to mind in the interview where, like, 
sort of like we had a discussion last week about the Real Kids first LP or whatever, uh, sort of becoming in vogue later rather than being a big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. It's just this group is like one of these groups that you see people kind of talk about now a bit, but I'm wondering how much it was sort of in the zeitgeist of the era. Well, they weren't it, at all. I'm sure I'm sure yeah. of that, right? Like, it, it just, you know, like you never hear them mentioned. It wasn't really till that CD came out that they became yeah. like a thing. And, and that's even with the Chiswick record coming out kind of posthumously. Yeah, the connection there, yeah. Which I still don't have that single either. I really want it. The first yeah, time I heard those two versions. Jonah's oh, house, bomb. actually. Oh, Bob yeah, did a present of this too? Yeah, it looks like. From 78. Mm. But Jonah played this for me for the first time. I can't remember which one he had, too. I feel like it was the bomb one he had, because the cover's different. Yeah. But anyway, cool band. I was just curious about the that sort of idea. No, that, uh, that, he, yeah, that Aggravation Place is an incredible song. Yeah. I got to get this this double comp. Anyway, for listeners, there's it seems like everything's basically collected on this. It's called Juke Rule. Uh, on Sing Sing Records, released in 2013. And I remember when this came out, but for whatever reason, I just kind of slept on getting it. And I've sort of forgotten, and I don't see it anywhere anymore. So I have to make it my uh, my mission now to, to track this down. Or, or maybe someone will give it to you for the holidays. It'd be lovely, yeah. Okay, if so someone everyone out there was work. looking for a gift for Chris, yeah, get on please. it. He needs it. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that was my sort of half-ass point, but I just thought Juke was uh, an interesting mention. So, anyway, awesome. Okay, well, I guess my next point is, um, I guess I want to talk about Lawrence from Domino doing his and his zine, which I don't think was Rising Free. I think the uh, sorry, what was that? Lawrence from Domino. I think he says mm-hmm. in the episode it was called Rising Free, but I think it actually wasn't called Rising Free now that I'm thinking about it. His zine? Yeah, I don't know anything about this, that other than what kind of, kind of came up. Well, I met, because I met Lawrence years ago uh, at a show, because um, Sean from Hardskin was like, oh, this is Lawrence from Domino, and we're talking to him. And he's like, you know, he's thanked on the first Blitz 7-inch. And sure enough, if you look <laughs> on the back... Of the first, he's Lawrence, and his zine was called uh, Thrash. Are you looking at it right yeah, now? Do you have, yeah, do you, I, I don't <laughs> have my glasses. Can you go to Discogs, the resource, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, drag out your copy of the Blitz 7-inch if it's easier to do it that way. It was funny. I feel like I don't have this, but I must have this. Uh, anyway, sorry. I'm trying to do it this way. No future. I don't see the thanks. Where am I looking here? On the back cover of the seven inch, there's all this text. Thanks to. Uh, yeah, I don't see it. At least on whatever the hell one I'm. All at attack. The first seven. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. But I don't see any. The. Uh, oh, never the mind. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. Um, Lawrence. Lawrence. Harsh realities. Harsh realities. There it is. In packets. So that's apparently the zine that he did, or the, whatever at the time. Yep. So hard, hmm. so that was his zine, which means that that guy has been involved in independent music culture since like eighty two, right? Eighty one, eighty one, yeah. Uh, and and still is putting out records to this day. Yeah, that's wild. I gotta get this it's fucking wild. guy on this podcast. <laughs> you do? How is? How haven't you already thought to get this going? I've been thinking about it, Chris. I've been thinking about it, but just you know. 
it hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, but it's got to happen. The thought, just the thought that there's an affiliation to the first Blitz single to Domino Records is interesting to me. But um, it's someone who can connect the first Blitz seven inch to Leatherface to Ostra. <laughs> to what was the big big ones they signed? Was it Arcade Fire? Was the big one? No, in, in... Arctic Monkeys. Arctic Monkeys, that's right. I couldn't remember which one was the big one yeah, that's the, that they yeah. had. They've had a, they've had a couple big ones, I think. Arctic Monkeys were definitely the biggest, I think. I think that yeah, you know, they're well, they're definitely one of the biggest bands of the last few years to come into England. <laughs> yeah, totally. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about that zine. If anyone has any whatever uh, captures or whatever that they could send us, that'd be more than we would love that. But yeah, I haven't. So you have never even seen any of these in person, or no? Oh no, no, not at all. Until I'm curious about that. Like it's always I find it very interesting that so so much of this stuff is still kind of like you've always and you're bang on. I think the the, the greatest treasures out there are all these zines from these eras that are difficult to find. These are the things that are genuinely still really difficult. Yeah, like I think that's the thing is like it's it's um it's one of the few rare things left out there. You know, like, the, yep, the, like it, people didn't really hold on to them. Yeah, which is such like it kind of makes sense, maybe to an extent, because it seems such like a, maybe a regional time and a place thing. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people don't keep weeklies in general, um, because you'd have to have a lot of space to probably keep them all. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but the idea that yeah, I, I'm just curious of what would be in that, because if it's that like eighty eighty one, like the content is it like just punk stuff? Is it you know, all kind of different genres or just generally stuff what's going on. Like, been probably just punk, right? Like, you can get away with just punk by that point. I'm guessing it's called Harsh Realities, which led me to think that it was at least aggressive, yeah. if not simply punk. But again, you never know. Like, I, I don't know anything about it. So I'm curious if anyone out there knows, hit us up. Well, have you ever looked through old, that Sniffing Glue anthology that came out a couple of years ago? I don't have it, no. I've never even looked through it, actually. It's really interesting, because they've got, like, yeah, Blue Oyster Cult is definitely a band that was, like, acceptable for punks to like. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is so funny, because it's a band I'm not a big fan of at all. Like, I love Blue Oyster Cult, but... uh, Do you really? Yeah, but it's interesting to see, like, you know, and Patti Smith wrote lyrics for them. Yeah, Um, okay. I get that, I guess. they, They have, like, you know, what's his name from Vom wrote lyrics for them. You know a lot about Blue Oyster Cult. Pardon me? <laughs> Did not expect that. You know a lot about this group that I wasn't aware of. Well, you know, like, I, I just know a lot about shit that no one cares about. <laughs> no, none of them, no one cares about Blue Oyster Cult. But, uh, no, no, I don't mean that. Have you seen the Stone Age, Chris? The movie? Yeah. yeah. Well, Blue Oyster yep. Cult, after you see that movie, how can you not want to find out <laughs> <laughs> because I always viewed it as a, re- I mean, I like that movie just fine, but I always viewed it as kind of like the, like I don't know, the the underling of like Days Confused. So I've never taken yeah, it's a, like the a particular affinity. Days and Confuse. It's like the Sex Pistols <laughs> to Days and Confused clash. Oh, give me a break! <laughs> Fully disagreed on this one. Fully I don't, I don't even think I can say that. But. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't remember where we were going with this. You said, oh, the harsh realities, yeah. I don't know. I'm I was just talking about Lawrence from Domino, and I was talking about how I need to get him on this uh, podcast. Yes. Well, that, absolutely. And hopefully it will happen one day. I have a feeling it will. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, man. 
Work I mean, on to sound it. really negative on that, Chris. I should be. Hopefully. <laughs> um, whose point was that? Is that yours or mine? Or I can't remember. I think that was mine. <clears throat> that was yours. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I had something in my mind. Oh, in relation to the domino thing, slightly, uh, the idea that the person who runs No Future Records never came to see Blitz and was too afraid to go to the shows. I know. <laughs> How good is that? So, so perfect. Like, it just explain it's like that, you know, everyone wonders, like, why do people in the music industry always complain about the music industry? Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that he he sort of speaks of him in like a, that he was kind of like a hands, hands-off guy or whatever, yeah. I thought, I just thought it was very interesting because that label has a particular, like, for me... That label has like a very very concise, uh, like output, and it's it's yeah. bizarre that it seems like it was like an afterthought almost or something. I don't really understand how that could. Yeah, the be aesthetic that. was so perfect. Yeah, it's it's very peculiar that this isn't someone who wasn't like completely in the mix at all times. Like, and it was someone who was basically hands off, which is even crazier. Would you describe um, him as the Gord Dufresne of uh, <laughs> of UK eighty <laughs> two? Well, I don't know Gord personally. You do, but uh, I don't know. I don't know because Gord. I remember seeing Gord at shows. Yeah, I know that's uh, true. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joshing. Just yeah, joshing. I know. So I, I, so no to answer your jokey question, but. Um, I just can't think of any other instance like this. Can you? Like most of the oh, time, I'm sure have, there's tons like that. Yeah, but of like a label like this, like a very, I don't know. It's just that to me is what's weird. Not not a record label in general, like a record label like this. Like if you think of No Future, like you describe in the interview, there's a very like you you get an impression of what you mean by saying, "Oh, it sounds like No Future stuff" or something. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that the person who headed that up was very, you know, aloof with <laughs> being in the mix of any of this on, as, as like a mover and a shaker is kind of insane to me. But anyway. Yeah, like I guess I, I guess it's one of those things where like maybe he was legitimately scared of it. Yeah, I, and that's fine. I can accept that, but it just seems strange. Would he, he would be so, so weird to talk to because like where did he find out about it? Yeah, and it sold a good amount. Oh my god, yeah, like those records, all those records probably sold tons. Like Peter and Test Two Babies LPs, you still find, you know, yeah. everywhere. So the, so the idea that then you got to think of, you know, a decent amount of money was coming in too, so you'd figure that that would be something you'd want to be, I don't know, very in tune with, but who knows? Yeah, I just thought that was kind of a funny but very bizarre story at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to your point, Chris. That was my point. That Here's was your, your point. Friend. Damn it. My <laughs> point. Um, right, I, the wee I, hours of the night for the listeners. Sorry. That's why we're kind of, uh, a little spacey right at this now. point. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about replacing Lloyd Cole in the rhythm. Yeah. You know, that, Lloyd Cole in the commotions. That is, um. Did he ever, I'm guessing not, but did he ever get you that demo? Uh, he wrote me, and I've, I've sent him my address, and, and I guess hopefully it'll be coming soon, and I will be able uh, to uh, Lloyd it over everyone. Can't wait. Can't wait to hear that. I just think I'm wondering what You're it sounds like. You're not going to hear it, Chris. It's for me. 
Well, I never play with you. <laughs> either way, I just mean if I go over your house and hear it in passing. No, I'm not going to. I'm like, you, you would have to break into my house and steal it because I'm never going to let you hear it. <laughs> I mean, you have to describe to me yeah, what it sounds Yeah, describe it after I described it. <laughs> I just mean like when you think of that early Blitz stuff, mm-hmm. like does it sound like that? Does it sound like I'm just very curious. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued too. I'm like intrigued to just like, I guess like, like where that band would fit in what Lloyd Cole would do with the commotions and what the rhythm would do as a band. Well, I think the other weird aspect of that is just the rhythm as a band name mm-hmm. seems like a more lofty like band name or whatever. So my the impression I get is like kind of what late blitz sounds like or whatever. So yep. I'm curious if it was like more artsy even before it got aggro and then it went back or if it was, you know, the progression as everyone expects now. I don't know. That's what I'm curious about. When I hear the rhythm, I think the clash. That's really? I, I, I don't at all. I think of like, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, like this heat or something. I don't know. I just don't get that impression. It's kind of like late period clash. <laughs> this heat, Wah This Heat, uh, did a cover of um, Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory. That's incredible. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. What I'll did take your, your clash word. do? That's so great, Chris. <laughs> First of all, it's hardly my clash. <laughs> I think it's a pretty oh god, world I'm just... Oh man, it's too late to be entering into these sorts of ridiculous conversations. Yes. Um, okay, let's. Uh, I guess move on to. I guess unless you want to, unless you want to talk more about Lloyd Cole and the commotion. No, I'm good. I'm good on that. I, I'm curious to. You got to do once you get that rhythm demo, which hopefully you will get. Mm-hmm. Curious uh, as to this, as to the discussions that will sp- spur from that whole thing, but um, yeah, yeah, like how do we release it and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know. I've just, I'm amazed that if he has this or whatever, and people are aware that he has it, that this has not come to light. It's really strange. Well, to that's me. what he—he's he, just been like, uh, you know, just just kind of waiting. You know, like, like I think that to me, the most incredibly touching part of the conversation was when he talked about some kid in Blitz playing "Someone's Going to Die Tonight" on guitar for the first time, and and just being like, "That's their first song." <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know. I thought, yeah, it was funny when you were kind of expressing to him what what level of influence that group has, and he seemed to be rather unaware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that concept is, is strange to me too because you'd figure again with just the internet being what it is just doing a google search on his group he would get the impression quicker I, I don't know I it's but you know you know, who knows most people I don't know I, yeah, I just okay. I get maybe you would I don't know would you Let, let's see what happens when you google blitz punk oh god we're here. British punk band wikipedia <laughs> Pretty standard Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Either way, I'm just mean. It's just bizarre. It's, it's bizarre not someone in a group like this not realizing the influence, like the scope of influence that this group had. I just think it's kind of bizarre. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I think, well, I, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it's because like the bands they influence aren't necessarily the most pop. Well, I guess they influence Rancid. I was gonna be like they like maybe they haven't influenced the most sort of popular punk bands, but they influence Rancid. Yeah, I knew I got what you were going with that, but yeah, you're right. You do have that in the mix too, and you yeah. think that, and and like you, we've well in the interview that you did with Lars, even you know he's he's pretty forthcoming on talking about things like that. So you would imagine over the last twenty years, it would have come up in various interviews yeah. and things like that. So there would have been enough, uh, whatever talk of those things. Uh, what I'm curious about is, um, if because you did you actually talk in the interview about them ever meeting or no? No, I don't think we. I don't think we did. But I don't think they ha- actually. I don't. They have met. They definitely have met. Because I'm curious about the idea of when he was in the UK subs, if perhaps. Uh, and I know of no, course Maggie wasn't of- around. Yeah, that's my guess is that they didn't because he was sort of not around. But yeah, Maggie's at Stone Roses and Public Enemy shows. <laughs> Which so is cool, still though. fucking cool. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's not like this guy's like. It's uh, like yeah, I went to some other. Like I started going to hit rap shows and like Stone Roses shows. It's like that's fucking awesome. That's amazing. It's amazing to have been like seeing all that crucial early '80s stuff and then still catching, you know, the best of the late '80s, early '90s mm-hmm. stuff. Although it was funny that he was very like, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> I wonder if he saw like some cool Smiths gigs. Yeah, that would have been a good question. Um, Part Stone two, Roses, Chris. Part early two. Stone Roses, though, is I mean that's right on as well. I don't yeah. I don't know. I, there's just uh, right time and place. This guy's hitting all my he's, I, every check mark he mentioned. I'm just like, oh. And I love how he brought up the football quality, like the repetitive chant along quality that's in Oi. It's also in like some of those rave anthems. It's also in like Oasis songs. It's in like yeah, you know. I think there's there's something to that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but like, you know, I also when I was at WWE NXT, shout out <laughs> to former guest Robbie Brookside for the hookup last night at Rod Holden. And uh I was singing everyone in the crowd sings along to Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance music. Okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, this should be a fucking this is a this is another turn into punk footnotes topic. You know what the music was last night? The main theme for the whole show, by the way, Chris? I don't know what it is. Turnstile. Yeah, that's weird. Actually, I saw you post something about that, but I thought you were just like making a comment. So no. it actually was their music. There was their music. They were playing Turnstile. Wow. It was Turnstile. Wow. It was like it was, it was sick. It, but definitely very bizarre. But anyway, everyone in the crowd chants along this guy Nakamura's song, and uh, I was just like, oh yeah, there's this kind of like music that has this kind of anthemic quality. But like you know, it really. I guess in punk music, it probably comes from like soccer stuff, right? Well, I don't know. I don't in know. Boy, it would, right? These guys would definitely. Yeah, I think so, but I think I would be. I would. Uh, the idea of punk at large, with that, I don't know if I would go that far. I think. No, maybe not punk at large, but certainly oi, I should say. Well, it, there's the obvious things, the obvious hallmarks people think of when you talk about that genre or bands or, you know, yeah. I'm just hesitant to, like, you know, place any of that solely on that kind of stuff. If you're asking me personally, yes, that's kind of what I believe, but I'm sure there's historians that are very prickly about specific things that would argue certain aspects. But 
Um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's definitely like the terrace whatever qualities in, in like you're saying the chance and the way there are certain structures that seem to be. For me, I always just view it as something that's almost like a, I don't know the way to say it. Like like tradi- like it's like a traditional. I don't know what the word is even. Uh, it's 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 like in language it would be like a lexicon. It would like, just something that's just traditionally associated with geographically regional things in in England and whatever areas of Britain. So that's where I think some of it comes from, and that's where I think some of these bands. It's just kind of like I don't know. I don't know the word. Like that's how the, through osmosis or something. That's where they they sort of to the just, water. Yeah, it's it's just something that's there. It's kind of like if we were talking about it in a much more domestic term, it's like the way people view hockey here or something. There, there, you know, there's just a different. Um, I don't know. It's just something distinctively theirs and and distinctively ours or something. So, I've just always viewed it in that sense without trying to place too much. Uh, I don't know. Ideology is the wrong word, but too much. Uh, not important. Not, Struggling for words this late, to be honest. But uh, well, you know what, Chris? I think that is a a good sign that it, maybe it's time. For us to <laughs> yeah, our me last ranting point. into nowhere. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're onto something. I, to end really quick, I think you're onto something. But I'm hesitant to confirm that for you. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I I, I I don't even. I'm. It's so late that I think I don't even know if I still stand by that point. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so before we uh, let you go, should we go into one more point? Yeah, whatever, uh, whatever you got. You got one? Okay, more about Turnstile being the theme song at NXT <laughs> last night. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, uh, I guess like, I guess let's finish with, um, uh, the, the fact that there's no more wankers in punk music. <laughs> <laughs> I was skipping over this because uh, David Up also wrote there are definitely still wankers involved in the scene, which yeah. I was very. Uh, I also concur, but uh, I'm going to be nice and uh, say I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's lovely. There's no problems with anybody in the world anywhere. Anyway. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week's show. If you want to get in touch with us once again, how do they do that, Chris? <laughs> Excuse me, I was taking a drink there. Uh, <laughs> turn out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. And, and please head over to DamienAbraham.com and buy your tickets for the Turned Out of Punk live tour coming to a city near you uh, in the uh, second week of December. And it'll be a lot of fun, a lot of cool guests. And so pick up your tickets for that now. Also, if you haven't, and thanks to everyone that has, go over to YouTube and check out Tournament of Death, uh, Bloodlust. If you search, I think it's the most violent wrestling vice it'll come up and it's a documentary that i did uh about the tournament of death i'm really proud of it uh and i've gotten a lot of cool feedback so thank you everyone who's given me some cool feedback and continue to watch that thing and enjoy it and chris uh you know uh don't watch it on an empty stomach or watch it on an empty stomach i should say (laughs) whichever you're better with I'm yeah. I should. Well, I don't know. You, you're you're setting it very high, so maybe I wouldn't be. But I think I'd be okay. As I said off air, Chris, this is like '90s hate culture level of disturbing. Like this is like, yeah, it's it's disturbing, Chris. It's like uh, Nick Zed movies. 
in the 90s <laughs> or like 90s hate zines and you know okay i'll take your word but it's got a, it's got an amazing storyline to it too so hey, you know i'm interested to see it you're just uh you're selling the different points of it than i than i would expect <laughs> well there's a lot of points to it a lot of points stuck in people's heads <laughs> okay. Um, but no, there actually is an amazing storyline to it too. It's 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 fun. Please check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. I think for as far as that stuff goes. Uh, next week on the show, huge episode. It's the uh, broadcast of the Turnout of Punk Alive uh, from Sound on Sound uh, Festival. Dave from Culture Abuse is there. Dave from Tear It Up is there. Uh, um, Chris from uh, Mets is there. MVP from Professional Wrestling is there. And it is a fun hang, and it flies by really quickly. And, yeah, it's a good one. It is a really good one. And then so we'll have a special footnotes for that one too, won't we, Chris? Yes, for sure. Um, So we're going to have some guests on that as well. Uh, And that is next week on the show. So uh, is there anything else you want to add, buddy? No, I'm good. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.